We are rocking here at Real Tales from the Bar Side. This is the podcast where we talk about the shit that goes on in the bar, in the restaurant, with people who own the bar, own the restaurant, run the bar, run the food, do everything and see everything. Don't ever do something or say something that you don't want seen, especially in New York at the bar, because we're watching and talking about it here on Real Tales from the Bar Side. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another edition of Real Tales from the Bar Side. I am your host, Matt Flynn. Got a great episode today. Got a really fun one. Old school, we're taking it way back. Awesome guest, not even going to tell you his name. You probably read the description and you know it already, but first, I'm going to jump right into a rant. And you know what? It's going to be a positive rant. It's going to be reflective. Because I had an experience with a guy I shared in a recent rant about how he pissed me off years back. He did some nasty shit, said something gross to a girl, treated her poorly, tried to come back in the bar without apologizing for it, even a couple years later, and it set me off. And it's interesting because I hadn't spoken to that person for a few months, and I saw him outside at about 3 a.m., I don't know, maybe a week ago. And he looked up, and he usually just ignores me, usually just a silent treatment, we ignore each other, and he just said, Hey, Matt, I really hope you're successful as an actor. And I looked at him, and I had just found out earlier that day that I lost one of my very close childhood friends, and I was kind of in a reflective state. And I was just like, thank you. I appreciate that. And we had this moment. We just had a moment, and it was genuine. He was fucked up. He was drunk. It was 3 a.m. But it was genuine, and I appreciated it. And it was just one of those things where it's like, I find myself just getting way too keyed up, way too high-strung about shit that really doesn't matter. Because who knows how much time we have here and what's going down, but I don't want to spend it angry. I don't want to spend it pissed off. And uh, it was just a cool moment to kind of say, all right, maybe even a guy like this that I've had my problems with, I got to put it aside and just exercise a little bit of humility, a little bit of growth. And it's nice because I'm always the last one to see any kind of growth. I think we all are, but I know for from personal experience, I definitely am. Very cool moment. Brought me down to earth a little bit. And I've been in this really cool, chill place lately where I don't feel hostile. I don't feel worried. I feel pretty good. And I want to keep that going. And I want to keep it going with one of my longtime friends that I love to fucking pieces. Ex-bartender turned professional entrepreneur, barber, master barber, badass, owns one of the greatest fucking shops in the South Shore, if not the greatest. This shit's off the hook. It's called Craft Barbering Company. He owns it with our good friend Jeff Barrows, and his name is Eric Tenberg, a.k.a. The Berg, a.k.a. anything, any word you want to put in front of the word Berg and kind of marry it together. Welcome, brother. Hey, man, what's going on? Not much. Not much. This is a pleasure. We're actually doing this from your uh, your private studio up in Pembroke Woods. You got a really nice recording studio up here, hanging with the dog Nixon. The yeah, mo- it's go- not bad, man. It's not bad. No, this is nice, man. Nix is the best. Nixon's a beautiful blue nose pit. We're gonna throw pics of him up on the at Tails Barside Instagram account. So if you want to see pictures of Nixon, that's where you'll find him. He is a handsome pup. Fucking a. I have to say, you have a really big microphone. It's huge. 
it's huge but i don't you know want to false advertise it's it's is really, that the, it's an average microphone. Is that the, that's, once, that's what she said? Once the sock comes off. That's We're what she talking, said. Yeah, that's what she, I blew it. Yeah. Blew an opportunity. I set it up. Yeah, you know, it's not the size of the mic. It's how you use it. And this one I think we're using well because you and I have some fucking stories to tell, man. Yeah, we got a couple. We got, we've been through a lot. But to keep it on track, I guess for a moment at least, bartending-wise, I guess, no, fuck that. Let's start early because you and I met at a party where the cops showed up and you and another friend, Savoli, were in the bushes. <laughs> you guys were hiding in the bushes and me and our, our man, Tricky Rick, were jumping in the car and taking off and we saw you guys and I looked out and I said, hey, you guys need a lift? You were like, yeah. You jumped in and instantly I was like, holy shit, these kids are hilarious. A couple years younger, hot shits, and ever since then you and I just... Started drinking like fucking animals. I remember you getting pissed at me once because I bought a whole bunch of vodka as usual. You were like, I think I'm just going to have some beer tonight, if that's cool. I'm like, no, fuck that. You'll drink vodka with me. Come on. You're like, yeah, okay. Uh, all right. <laughs> Peer pressure's always been uh, been good for me. Good to me. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's do that. What I know. Do you, what else you got there? The guilt, man. The guilt we all carry with that shit, and I'm no exception. It's tough. It is tough, but... Fast forward, not to spoil the ending, but we're both in recovery, long-term recovery. You coming up on 10 years? Yeah, December 8th, man, 10 years. Fuck yeah, man, that's phenomenal. So the guilt can only last so long when you're doing big shit like that, when things are happening. So bartending-wise, where did you start? What was the first place you bartended at? Should I say names? Yeah, fuck it, man, yeah, because most yeah. of these places are closed anyways. Yeah, yeah. I started at a, at a place called Bulls Run. That was your first job that was the as a bartender? First. And the first thing was like you had a, you know, it's always tough to like get behind the bar anywhere. So I was in college and then, you know, I'm like, oh, I like to drink and drinking's fun. And I was like, oh, maybe I'll take a bartending class, a course. I oh, did, shit. I forgot yeah. about that. You took the class. Yeah, I went to the Drink Master's bartending school in Boston. It was like a, I don't know, 10-hour course. I don't know, so damn long ago. But, um, yeah, did that and then reached out to a friend. And the friend, you know, worked at a bar. <clears throat> it was like a local, like, beachy bar type deal. Um, you're overselling it, man. That place was a shithole. Yeah, all right, you're right. It did. It <laughs> smelled like, uh, you know, something was dying underneath the building. The bathrooms were disgusting. It was just, it's been through a lot. It changed names probably, like, Fucking back so and forth. Brian's place when we were kids. Yeah. That and was then the legendary. Celtic Knot. Was it the Celtic Knot yeah, after? Everyone called it the Celtic Snot. Celtic Snot. Yeah. <laughs> <I don't know>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or the Celtic Balloon Knot, I yes. think was. Yes, there was popular. many plays on the name. <laughs> and then it went into Bull's Run. Yes. And the Celtic Knot was a shit show. It actually made Bull's Run look classy. Yes, it did. And, but Bull's Run was a, a wild, wild place. What uh what kind of shit did you get into there? Uh, so it was, you know, it was basically, you know, you know, your Captain and Cokes, your, your, your Bud Lights, everyone out, someone coming from a mudslide off the beach, and you'd be like, really? Like, this is just the place to really get a mudslide. Like, the the stock's disgusting. It's probably no good anymore. You know, there just wasn't any organization. I was, like, super young, so, I mean, it was a great place to start off. The It was funny, because uh, I had, you know, I never worked anywhere, and the girl... I knew who got me in had to like kind of lie and say, hey, you know, yeah, he's got tons of experience, you know, blah, blah, blah. And like, I just know, like, you know, to count to four and like, you know, put the coke <laughs> in and, you know. 
a it, long floor yeah, this town. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I just kind of got thrown right into the the pit, and that, you know, it was a great way to to learn really fast, um, especially like overserving, cutting people off, people getting pissed. Like, yeah, there was a lot of that. Um, I always struggled with like you know trying to you know what's a, you know what what's enough you know especially if it's like people you know and, and yeah absolutely local people it's always like such a hard decision and uh, I remember one time I'll never forget it was like my first like first two weeks <clears throat> everyone's coming off the beach and stuff and people are sitting down having like food or they're trying to make the kitchen better or whatever at the time and you know they were doing okay with getting the food out and uh, this girl came in and she was clearly just like <laughs> completely shit shit faced like beyond belief you know what i mean and i'm like oh here we go and then uh so you know i you know i told her like hey you know you know i I can't serve you however i delivered it at that time Mm -hmm. and uh i gave her a glass of water you know and and, and tried to play it off cool and be respectful and everything it was like five o'clock like you know what i mean it wasn't late it was like the sun's out like kids like people are in there and she just decides to uh take the whole glass of water and just fire it off my chest oh, like man. right there in front of all these people and i'm just like i had a a bit like a nice <laughs> glass old school shot glass or rocks glass in my hand and it took so much not to fire it off her head yeah to split her skull with the thing well that's the thing too people don't understand Every, everything's fine and dandy when you talk about listen you don't hit women and it's like of course you don't fucking hit women but in the, i thought in, about it in the heat of moment when somebody yeah. hits you you don't think well now this is a woman there's like that i mean it knocked over all the, it knocked over all the bottles like water got all over me i mean it's water but it was just like the ultimate like holy fuck she yeah. really just did that and they don't so that bullshit class, that certification course you took, because no one gives a fuck about that. No, that's why the girl had to lie for you. Obviously, yeah. they just want to know that you've been behind a bar before. That's just it. Actually, was kind of cool though. I'll give it to them. Like I've been to a lot of these. Like you know, I don't know, learn this fast or whatever. But you know, they did a good job for. You know, I, I like to drink so much, so I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm paying attention now. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I just like fantasize the. This like this is awesome. This What's is like in the a best kamikaze thing. again. Yeah, let's yeah, go. Teach yeah, me yeah, everything. Yeah, let's go. And uh, so, yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, I got a lot of experience for sure um, at that at that place. Um, but they don't they don't teach you the tip stuff, right? Not the tips money, mm-hmm. but the tip certification stuff, like how to handle somebody who fires a fucking glass of water at your chest. They do. Like, hopefully it's like, you know, it, it, no, they don't really. I mean, <laughs> you know, it's like, hey, someone's going to fire a glass of water off your chest. It's like, how do you act? And you haven't even served them a drink yet. And yeah. they just come in and just fired off you. So it's kind of like... You know, I guess you inherit that person anyway because they're on that establishment, but I'm not a lawyer and whatever, but it's just like, you know, thankfully their friends, like, got her out of there and uh, she went about her way, so. And it's one of those things, too, where the job is so, there's so much shit on a nightly basis and in some places a fucking hourly hourly basis that the law as it stands is broken by the bartenders. Like there's just, there's only so much you can do and you just hope that you don't get fucked. Like it's so difficult to juggle a place where there's heavy, heavy drinking going on. And you just, you pray for the best where I am. I'm just kind of like, listen, if somebody's fucked up and I need to walk them home, that's one thing. And I will, I'll leave, I'll walk somebody to their house. Everybody's local, they're close, put them in a cab. But here and where you were, everybody's driving oh yeah and everyone would come like it'd be like dead until you know the bar closes at one but they'd serve like would serve a little bit you know 12 40 maybe would suck like the last call drinks 
and everyone would come at midnight, so they've been drinking all day or whatever, their Friday, Saturday night, and then they would just come in like 30, 40, 50 people in like 15, 20 minutes, and I would be the only bartender. There's no door guy. There's really no one else there but me, so it's like young kids, drunk people, like, you know, you can't manage that, you know. He's no. like, oh, hopefully this all works out and everyone gets out of here, okay. <laughs> and then uh, some nights they did, um, you know, nothing bad ever really happened, thank God. You always hear those terrible stories, but uh, it, it's definitely kind of puts a lot of pressure on you. It gets a little stressful and aggravating. I'm sure I wasn't the most pleasant bartender at those moments. It's like, hey, Eric, good to see you. I'm like, yeah, fuck off. What do you want? Like, you know, this was no, like, pleasantness uh about those moments because it was just like you know good luck cutting people off you know by yourself with like just it just got too crazy yeah know? it can it can totally get nuts and you you're drinking on the job right at that point were you oh, drinking? yeah that's yeah. the only way you can make that through i think right, right? you had to join them can't beat them join them but you know what i don't obviously i don't drink on the job now and uh it's t- it's still tough when people come in and they're like, hey, if you're in a rush or in a really bad headspace, people don't get that this is still a job. It's a cool social job where you have the fortune and the luxury to kind of connect with people that you know and invite them in. And it's really great. But I think a lot of people, unless you've done this job before, they can get a little salty if you're not giving them enough attention. And, and that is part of the part of the job is to figure out how to juggle and make sure everybody feels warm and welcome. But like, I don't want to fake that. If you're a friend of mine and I have time, like you're a priority. I want to make you feel warm and welcome. But if if I don't and I'm running, I just my hope is that people get that. And a lot of times they don't. Yeah. The people that don't get it are just they're just idiots. They just don't, you know, clearly can't tell that, you know. You're doing a million things at once, yeah. and you don't really have time for small talk. But no, I gotta chop you know. limes because the dickhead on day bar didn't do it. Oh, yeah. Like I gotta do this, I gotta do that. There needs to be more frozen drink mix made. Yeah, it's yeah. just, it's something, right? So you were there, Bulls Run. Oh, you had a little incident, right? Didn't the cops show up? Some crazy shit happened <clears> over there. Yeah, yeah. The um, oh man, it was like the you know Thanksgiving Eve, super busy night, like you know Thanksgiving Eve. Thanksgiving that's, Eve, big okay. drinking Which is night. usually in our hometown in Marshall. That's a big kind of reunion night. Yeah. Everybody's going going <clears throat> wild because everybody's home. Okay. Yeah, and um, I was so classy at the time. I, I went out and I, I lit a cigarette like in the front of the building where like usually you smoke out <laughs> back, right? So this was back in the day, and I just thought like, ah, maybe they can't screw. It. I didn't think I cared at the time. I was like smoking a butt out front, people like eating like at the window, <laughs> and I'm like, ah, this is the bartender just ripping smokes, and then I'm out there and uh. And all of a sudden, I see this like car, like kind of, like kind of rolling in, kind of slow, and there's like all these like tons of cops behind him, and he's rolling in, he's rolling in the parking lot, and then all of a sudden, like as I'm, I'm like I'm smoking a cigarette in the front, there's some bushes to the side. The car comes in, and then two undercover police officers come out with their guns out, like in street clothes, and just rush the car. They're like, get the fuck out of the car. And I'm like, my cigarette instantly like falls from my mouth. And I'm like, I know the car. And I'm like, oh, I know who that is. And then like, it just got worse. And then like, everyone in the bar is looking to see what's going on. There's literally like eight cruises. Um, you know, the, the, the kid was uh, selling a little, um, <clears throat> I think, cocaine at the time. You think? Well, I know, actually. <laughs> actually, I know. I know that for a fact. But uh yeah, so that was an interesting way to to end the dinner hour. Was a, a nice little 
uh, Coke bust on Thanksgiving Eve. It was. Uh, and it was early. What yeah, time? Yeah, I'm gonna read 45. Holy yeah, shit! Yeah, yeah, and um, I was like, oh shit! I hope they don't know about me. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was just kidding. I was a small fish, but anyway. I, I hope he's got a nice stash <laughs> somewhere because I need that oh, filet. Man, what am I gonna do tonight? Oh man, this is bad. It's tough, man. It's a tough juggle. I remember, like, and it is. It's hard when you in your hometown. I started at the Lobster Tail, and it was cool because I, I, nobody really expected free shit from me. And we did a little bit of a buyback business, and I was always on the level with it. But it's hard a lot of times. I remember I sold pot like twice. I bought a bunch of weed when I was a kid, and I sold it twice. And everybody that was older than me, that was friends that I was friends with would come with, dude, just give me a joint or come on, spot me a dime. Come on. Like everybody expected something and I'd end up caving cause it was just annoying and it was a terrible fucking business model. And I'm like, I'm not doing this again. This is really shitty and difficult, but bartending is not all that different where a lot of times you get people, if you're in an area where you have a lot of close friends and there's short money, it's just like a lot of people coming in looking for free shit. Did you run into that a bunch with our friends? Yeah, you always run into that kind of like, oh, like, you know, there's the whole mindset that like, oh, well, you know, if you don't charge me for all these drinks, you know, give me a sweet tab, like, you know, they're supposed to hook you up in the tip, right? So it's like, all right, you, you gave them a cheap tab, which morally you're kind of like stealing right now. You think it would, you know, or, or you justify it like, oh, this happened. This is just in the industry, right? Like maybe they have a, some places have a button. They have like, you know, keep track of how many drinks you give away if, yeah. they're, if they're any good. Most of the places I worked at never did. And the tips never really added up to the amount of alcohol that was ever drank. You know what I mean? So it's like they give me 20 bucks on like a, you know, the tab was probably like 300 and they give me a 20 and they think they're a hero, yeah. you know, buying everyone drinks. Then you're really just doing yourself a disservice and, you know, the owner. Um, and a lot of people just don't understand, you know, how much they actually drank and what would be an appropriate tip. Um, so that always sucked. And then after a while, I was just like, you know, this is just the way it is. Like, yeah, you, you just like kind of hey, maybe like this one's on the house and, you know, whatever, a good place to have, like, they would understand that. They would have it as a loss or like a customer, like, you know, whatever, like mm -hmm. thank you or something like that. But in the early days, it was kind of expected, you know, like, what tab's 100 bucks? It's like, yeah, it should be 250 right. <laughs> You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. It's like, yeah, dude, like, relax. Enjoy. So, Enjoy the gift. Yeah, you know? Just, yeah. Yeah. Did not... I know a lot of women on the South Shore, girls and women that bartend, and they do really, really well. And I find in New York, there are certain places definitely that cater more towards female bartenders. But I don't feel like guys do all that well here. You know, there's a lot of guys I know that, that just kind of fell away from it because it's not that lucrative, I feel like, for men. Chuck does really well. we got a friend, Chuck Spencer, we got to get in here. He kills it. I feel like he's just that guy. His personality is that. Yeah, you got to have personality, I guess. If you're going to be a guy, I think. I mean, I... I even a woman, I shouldn't be like, oh, I'm going to be a guy. But No, but um, I, it's I a nice advantage, gotta, yeah, I think. Yeah. I think people appreciate like a bright, sunny, cheery female bartender who's good at what she does in the South Shore more than they do a male personality. I do think, again, personally, it's just observational. I feel like we know some women who bartend, and they've done it for a really long time, and they're really good at it. Yeah. And their disposition's great, and they're just, they, they lock in here. Whereas New York, I feel like they just try and they burn girls out while... They're really young, and the creepy old guys are all about it, and it's more about just having a really good-looking girl there, whereas here, the work ethic is definitely part of the appeal. Yeah, 
Yeah, I can see that. I mean, people are pretty loyal to like you know with, around here with like you know their bartenders and taking care of them and kind of like you know like how yeah. the communities like kind of take care of each other a lot in the South Shore. I feel like hell um, yeah. So, um, I was talking to somebody who moved away recently, and they we were discussing just you know moving home, moving back here if that thing if that was ever in the cards. And one of the things I said to her was the coolest shit about the South Shore about Marshfield and where we grew up is that, yeah, you can say it's a small town, you can say everybody knows each other's business and all that if you're not into it, but at the end of the day, man, people have each other's backs here. Everybody's looking out for one another really well, and I appreciate that about this area a lot. Yeah, I do too, I do too. It's a, it's a good place to live for sure, um, and definitely in that aspect. Um, I, I couldn't agree more with you on that one. Yeah, so you left Bulls, so Bulls Run <laughs> closed, right? Didn't it close? Yeah, it closed. It closed. Yeah, and then I, I bounced around a couple of places. Uh, where did I go? The Fala House in Quincy. Um, that was that was fun. That was interesting. Um, I don't even know, man. Did you get arrested on the job? Did you ever get taken? Out? No, no, I didn't really drink too much at the job. I I drink a little bit, you know, here and there. And then usually after, you know, the whole restaurant scene. You know, being in the industry, you're always, like, going out after having drinks, and you go to someone's house, and, you know, like, you know, me, I'd usually drag ass the next day, and then be, be, be back at work around five, and just kind of do that, and then, you know, um, at least that was how I, my, my experience with it for myself. <laughs> um, I don't think it's too much different for a lot of people in the industry, but, um, yeah, man, I worked so many places, uh, Jamie's Pub, the, the Lobster Tail, um, oh my God, I remember when you used to work the lobster tail and you used to, um, do the, uh, twisted teas. You'd fill a pint glass up and then you put the whole Jameson in there. Yep. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. That's, yeah. That's yeah. Right. That was amazing. That actually, that was at noon though. Those were super early. Yeah. yeah. That was like football I mean, Sunday. I wasn't drinking them, but I was making them. He was, <laughs> he was. was, he had us, he had me on his way. Oh God. It was crazy. I remember we had a friend come in that just came out of detox and he was so excited, he sat down, and he's like, uh, all right, I just got out, um, I'm doing well, I'll take a soda water. And I said, cool, man, so what's the plan? Are you, you doing meetings? Are you, like, what's your what's your deal? Not that you're out. He's like, uh, you know what, I think I'm just going to lay low for about a month, and then I'll gradually start smoking pot again, and I should be fine. And I just looked at him and smiled, and I said, cool, man, at least you got a plan. <laughs> Thank God. I mean, this was, we're talking 15 years ago, he's still sober. And it's just one of those situations where you're kind of like, oh, man, there are wins. No, no, it wasn't you. you yeah, know, yeah. We'll talk remember. about who it was at the break. I'm not going to blow him up unless I get him on here. But he should be blown up and praised because he, uh, he saw himself free from that mindset and definitely got on board. The lobster tail was cool, though. It prepped me for New York because even though we closed at like 1230, we'd be playing poker in the back until about 6 and then going out for breakfast. Yeah, so yeah. So it was kind of yeah. like, it got me ready for the New York lifestyle of just clocking up at 5, 5.30, 6 o'clock. It's nuts. It's nuts, man. We lived some wild lives. I remember the bull, Bulls run, you know, the yeah, I was definitely younger, but, you know, the owner was pretty cool about, like, hooking, you know, he'd give me, like, three cases of beer for, like, you know, 15 bucks and you show up to a party with like you know bottles and, and everyone's already drunk and it's like two in the morning and you show up with like all this booze and people just get obnoxious you know but the good old days he was a good guy 
the good old, and it's cool that we survived them because you know, we we have people in our lives that didn't and we're on the other side of it and it's it's cool it's actually nice to to sit down and reflect a little bit on this stuff it's pretty cool but let's take a quick break we'll come back and wrap a little bit more about uh what you did where you're at now and all that fun shit so we'll be right back after these words We have to show some love, even though we have already more and more for the Comic Strip Live, 1568 Second Avenue. This place is historic, no joke. It's one of New York's gems. I don't know why the hell you're going to see comedy in Midtown and Times Square. Run for your lives and get to a place with even more history and a lot less traffic. Come to the Upper East Side. It might not be too busy up here, but the Comic Strip always sells out, so call in advance. Jerry Seinfeld started here, guys. Do I need to say anything else? Probably not, but I will. He also finished here. He's not done, but recently he did his Netflix special right behind where I'm sitting. Come laugh, come cry, come enjoy the comic strip live. All right, I said it before, and I'll say it again. Craft Barbering Company. 243 Church Street, Pembroke, Massachusetts, is the best cut in town these guys don't play games i've seen boys cuts men's cuts i've seen women that want to go short and get down i've seen it all and i've seen it done on walk-in services and i've seen it done through booking online if you want to get with the best eric and jeff you better book ahead go to craftbarberingcompany.com set up your appointment get right in check it out and it's aces. You can't beat this shit. It's in the Poopsies Plaza, below the Brazil store in the Vapeway. Next to Poopsies, the old Yankee Clipper is now Craft Barbering Company. Eric and Jeff, tell them Flynn sent you. You'll get, I don't know, I think they got dum-dums, but no money off. Enjoy it. Great cuts. Great guys. Fellas, I want to talk to you about the most innovative barber shop on the South Shore of Massachusetts, Craft Barbering Company, started by Eric Tenberg, who will be on this podcast if I have to drag him here myself from Massachusetts, and Jeff Barrows, two good friends of mine, and they just did something really simplistic but innovative. It's a great barber shop, 243 Church Street in Pembroke, right on the Marshfield line. Go to craftbarbers.com and you just schedule an appointment. You can pick who you want cutting your hair, who you want shaving your face. You can pick a time, their availabilities. It's all there. They just shoot you an email just to remind you real quick. It's great. It's just a phenomenal, simplistic company, Craft Barbering Company. And they're phenomenal. They're just a really, really great business model. And it's unlike anything else going on in South Shore. So check them out. Get your hair cut. Get your face shaved. Get everything together. Look good. Craft Barbering Company. Craftbarbers.com. And hey, listen, while you're there, swing next door. Get yourself a uh, mushroom and hamburg pizza at Poopsies with burnt edges. Burnt edges, trust me. It's amazing. Julian salad, a nice cheeseburger. Poopsies Pizza next to Craft Barbering Company. 243 Church Street. Pembroke, Mass. Cool, so we're back with Eric Tenberg, 
master barber, craft barber and company, talking old school stuff. So you were where you were down in Plymouth bartending, right? Yes, I was. I was. I um. That's did, the last thing I remember you doing. Yeah. Let me try to roll it back a little bit. So yeah, I did a couple. You know, your more sports bar type places. Ran with that for a little bit. Got a little fed up with just like the demographic of sports bar people. Then I kind of got into a little bit more fine dining stuff that was a little more, you know, a little more, you'd be a little more attentive, know your food and drinks a little bit more. Um, and, you know, the hours weren't as late and stuff like that. So I was at uh, Alden Park. Um, and uh, I think Patrizia's, I was oh, there. Oh, shit. I had a suite right. at Patrizia's. I had like, I worked like, I think I was working like, one night a week on a Saturday with like a nine person bar and doing like just service bar and it was just like straight money and it was all like ten thirty. It was like the best. What now those were classier joints. What's up with the women there? Were you cause you were a single guy at that point, right? Oh, I was slicking my hair back pretty high. Yeah. Man. You know what I mean? Crossed in the tips. I was you were trying. Ready. I was trying to be somebody. So what what's the deal? You got some girls that you met there, you got some women that you you, you kind of talked nice to a little bit for a while that you met in the bar. Anybody stand out, or was it all just kind of? You know, a gentleman a never haze. tells. You know, yeah. this could be a really long podcast. It could. You know? We could and go we, on for a while. It could be a bit. You know, uh, <laughs> not to toot my own horn, but you know, there's a couple stories. <laughs> you know, That's did all right. Did it. all right. That's amazing. Yeah. Well, shit. Real vague tales from the bar side. Well, you know. You put me on the spot here with that's these stories. That's what we do. Like, that's, that's, what we that's what we do. What we do. All right. Let's go to one that we all remember well. Oh, and don't by say all, her name. I mean you and I. All right. <clears throat> Talk to me about the mace on Jaina's keychain. Well. Now, we weren't bartending. No, we weren't. And I wasn't even there, but this is one of my favorite stories, and it has to be told. Uh, all right. Let's do it, man. So in Cambridge one night at a friend's house, um, I have this friend named Ricky. And uh, Ricky wears glasses. Uh, you know, he has a little trouble with the eyesight sometimes. He's one of my good buds. And, um, you know, it was during that whole, like, jackass phase when it was, like, coming out and everyone's like, oh, like, kick me in the nuts, like, jump in that bush, like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like, let's just do weird shit. And uh, so, you know, that whole thing was going on. And we got back from the, the bar one night and, you know, just had a good, good buzz going on. It was, like, 3, 4 in the morning this time, just, just hanging out and, uh Ricky had a little bit of uh, weed in his car, and he's like, "Oh, dude, we have to go get that," you know. <laughs> I'm like, "Oh, it might have been in, in uh, the girl's house we were with, like her her car." The, the The girl gives us the keys to the car and is like, "You know, everything would have been fine if she just didn't say this." She goes, "Whatever you do, don't touch the mace on the keychain." Which is totally a Jaina thing to say because okay, it's we'll like, call it Jaina. Yeah, because oh, it's call Jana. Ricky out, but we're not going to call well, Jaina. You know, out? I don't know. Just, I'm new to Come this on. podcast stuff. Yeah, well, well anyway, dude, Jaina's like, Ricky's whatever you do, whatever you do, guys, don't touch the mace. <laughs> and then, <laughs> it's so a, it's like saying, don't think of purple elephants. Yes, pretty much. So the whole time, you know, going to uh, to the car to get the weed, um, Ricky's going, dude. Will you spray me with that mace? And I'm just like, no. Like, what are you talking? He's like, dude, I want to be sprayed with the mace now. And I'm like, Rick, this is ridiculous. And then he's like, we're walking out of the car, like, you know, pretty much in a blackout at this point. And then he's like, we're not getting into this car. He's like putting up a stink. We're out there for like a half an hour. You know what I mean? And he's like, no, no, we're not. I'm not. I'm not. You you, I'm not giving you the keys till you mace me. And I got so pissed. And I had no idea, like, the magnitude of what mace can do to a human being like i had no clue 
nothing. I was like, yeah, whatever, you get mace, no big deal, right? So I have the mace, and he's like, just do it, and he's bending down, his glasses are off, and he's like, let's do this, and, like, people are kind of strolling by in Cambridge, and, like, all of a sudden, I I blast him with the mace, like, from an inch away, and this stuff comes out like an absolute laser beam, just, just smothers his <laughs> eyes, and then he just starts dancing around in circles, screaming from the top of his lungs, going nuts. And now I'm in like a super panic. I like sobered up. I'm like, what is going on? Like, dude, what did I do? So I had to like hold his hand and like guide him up like, you know, six stories. And then Jaina looked at me with the look of just, you son of a bitch. She's like, what did you do? One thing I told you not to do, but I'm like, no, but you don't understand. Ricky was being such a pain. So... She's like, you know, whatever the internet at the time. I think the internet just came out when this happened. I don't even remember. It was a while ago. It was a long time ago. So she's like, you know, looking up, like, what do you do with me? So while she's looking it up, she's like, whatever you do, like, don't don't put water on it. And I have the sink filled up. And as soon as she says that, I'm like dunking his head in there. <laughs> and, then, and then I pull him out. And I guess it makes it like 10 times worse. So I'd pull him out. Mind you, his face is completely puffed out, like, and swollen and purple. And it's just like... It was just so bad, and like so, I'm just dunking him in and out of the sink, being like, "Oh, put me back in!" I put him back in. I take him out, and he's just screaming. It was so bad, and then I don't even know. Somehow we settled down, but the next day, Ricky got in a car accident. That was driving. the epilogue. That was just that like, was the epilogue. Yeah. That was the best. He rear ends some poor woman. Yeah, yeah. He still I mean, see. he could have went blind, like you know, like I, I was don't like, know about that. dude, I don't know, because he's been maced since. You know that, right? Oh, he likes this? No, well, it's his thing. No, this was actually, I think he uh, went into the sheriff's department, and it's part of the training. Oh, he's a pro now. So you have to, he's, he's like, he's done it before. It's he's probably, probably doesn't even work on him anymore. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, it's like that hot one, sauce. Yeah. It's just, this, ain't, this is fine. Hilarious, Yeah, man. that was brutal. That was. But, but uh, this is the type of dumb shit that you and I would get into when we drank. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> true. That was like, one of them ridiculous nonsense left and right and you okay so you got out of bartending in what college so it was around that time that you you went down to Plymouth <sighs> college I don't even know college was like seven years not a doctor yeah took a long time you know a lot of partying what's the easiest class to take yeah, you know yeah. figuring it out did that no I still bartended a little bit after college and then yeah, I was still bartending, and then I kind of fell in, like, some social work stuff. Got a criminal justice degree, didn't really know what I was doing. Kind of, like, you know, don't know what I wanted to do, but bartending was always, like, you know, good cash flow, let you pay the bills, still kind of figure out what you wanted to do. So I always praise, like, the restaurant industry because, you know, it can keep you afloat for, you know, figuring out what the hell you want to do with your life. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know that's always good and shots out to the shout out to the people who still want to bartend and make it a career i mean you can actually do that too if you know how to learn how to manage your money or you get into like i don't know ritz carlton or in vegas one or, of the unions yeah the yeah, union bartenders like, make great know, that's money that's cool i never even knew about that i always thought like oh man i gotta get the hell out of here like you know but there's a i worked at a ritz carlton for a little bit in tahoe i, I lived there for like very briefly and uh I got into the whole like restaurant, like the whole hotel, like big corporation stuff, and it was pretty cool. They give you like sick time and like all this other stuff and insurance, and I was like, whoa, I'm making like sixty k. Some of these bartenders at some of these nice places, like yeah. bartending. I was like, oh, cool. But yeah, I was like all over the place. Um, probably like I'm speaking right now, but uh, 
You're locked in. Come yeah, on. Yeah, I'm dude. locked in. Seriously? I'm locked in. But uh yeah, the Yeah, social work, bartending, then moved out west, came back. You were going to be a nurse for a Yeah, well, of I was going to get the second bachelor's degree in nursing and then it's kind of just reaching for some like financial security, trying to trying to fit in, see where it's up. And then I wasn't yeah. that passionate about it and then uh a good friend of mine brought up the idea of like opening a barber shop, and I guess kind of laughed because I was like, I knew nothing about barbering, kind of thought it was a joke, and then I kind of looked into it more, and uh, I actually bartended like full time, and I got my barber's license, and kind of explored the idea of getting into being a barber, and then opening a barber shop, and kind of made that happen, and it's been a cool journey. Um, it's just totally different, like running a small business and, and doing that. But uh, I'm definitely enjoying myself, and it's been a cool cool career choice. Uh, but bartending was like a huge part. It was like let me like bridge the gap between like staying afloat and like still going to school. So it was really cool. And it's also there's parallels between the two that I've noticed too. It seems like there's a lot that you've kind of learned transitionally as far as just people skills bringing people that you know in for a service that you provide. You know, you can take any time off that you want, but you're not getting paid for the time off you take. Like, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, there's a ton. I mean, you're dealing with people a lot. I mean, actually, a lot more, like, on a personal level, trying to have some conversation. Um, you know, even, like, you know, you can get in the atmosphere, decor, pricing. Yeah. You know, again, there's a lot of, there is a lot of similarities for sure. Um and like kind of how to handle cash and things like that and yeah. kind of closing drawers and like, you know, so I definitely had a little bit of leg up um, getting into the industry, the, the barbering industry, because it, it did have some similarities. I'm sure like a lot of industries, but this one, I feel like it was easier transition for me, I think, and someone who doesn't really talk to people a lot or, or deal with like, you know, the registers. Or, or you who know, isn't so. used to being on their feet all day. Yeah, so that too. That, yeah. That's... Yeah. Definitely got a lot slower, bro. Like, you know, I don't got those fast twitch muscles, you know, <laughs> it's like you're just standing, like just melting into the earth. Like, Hey, you have to up? use those muscles though. I, I try well, to do It's good. I tried to teach a kid, like a nine year old and uh, shout out to Jace. I'm sorry if uh, you're not nine. I thought he, I think he's nine. He might be eight, but good friend of ours. Son, I was trying to teach him how to do an ollie, and I haven't ollied in like 20 years. And even then, I wasn't very good at it. So I just no, you started, weren't very good. I at wasn't, it. but I jumped on it, and I can do a small one. And I did a couple on grass, and muscles that haven't been used in 20 years just started flaring up. And it was like I didn't quite pull anything, but it was like, yeah, I think I should stop. Yeah, this I is, agree. This is something I should not do anymore. Give these guys a rest. You gotta. But the, yeah, being on your feet constantly is definitely a strange um, sensation when you're doing it for 12 hours at a whack. The cool thing about bartending, too, I'm at a large 23-seat bar. I can run away from people. Yes, you can. So I can't. You can't. No. You're stuck. It's true. For a while. Yeah. And sometimes it's like, hey, you know what? We ain't going to talk about shit today. I'm just going to cut your hair. How about that? I don't really talk to the people who cut my hair unless they start talking to me. Because for me, it's like I want you locked in. It's a craft. I don't want to interrupt it. Get it's it. True, true. You know, it's like, do your thing. But focus. they deserve some convo. I mean, I'm like, you know, that's on a bad day, I guess, to be like, oh, you know, all right, we're doing this, and I don't got too much to say. <laughs> right. I think I've ran out of everything. Yeah. How, you know, hey, uh, how's your, 
What's a, what, how's the vacation? What's going on with the wife? It's like the same question for every customer, right? But it's almost like that in bartending too. It's like you become like a robot, right? Like similar questions you ask every customer and it's kind of like, it's almost like kind of, I don't know, like a little script that you got, you know? But you know what? Down here, I think on the South Shore, any suburb, no news can be good news. People have their routines. And so like those questions I think are good. Yeah, sometimes you got to be careful though cuz maybe yeah. they'll tell you how they really feel. Yeah, or, or something what's really going really on, happened. right? Yeah. It's got to be like more like you got to lead off like, like what's new and exciting. There right? you go. Right? Yeah. Ah, uh, nothing's exciting. <laughs> Cut my hair. Yeah, okay. okay. <laughs> Serve me that drink, sir. <laughs> yeah. Make oh, it a double. Well, that's the thing too. I know right away if somebody wants to talk or not. Yes. And I can, I, I can leave them alone, and you can too, even though you don't. Get yeah, to but walk sometimes away. you like want to have fun with the people and like pull it out of them. You know what's going on? Make it a challenge. Um, sometimes it can be Doctor Phil. You can have a breakthrough with these people. It's true. Well, I they can shit. pull it out of me. Maybe they'd listen. Yeah, I try not That's to a put lot my of work, shit on other people. <laughs> I pay a guy for that. You know, but you know when you get close though with someone that regular comes in, you're sharing some stories. Sometimes you know, sometimes you get a little, uh, you know, get a little therapy out of it. Sometimes, yeah, you know, def- or at least identification. That's the thing I love doing about this. Even talking with you right now, somebody who I know like a brother, it just changes things a little bit because we're forced to talk about certain things that maybe we don't discuss constantly when we're quoting Rick and Morty and doing other dumb things. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it is. It's an opportunity to have kind of a focused, locked-in conversation, whether it's deep, whether it's shallow, whatever it is. It can be, I think, helpful for a bar patron to a bartender or to a barber to a customer. What do you call them? Clients? What do you call them? You get fancy. Customer, client. You can call them clients, too. You can call them that, you know, customer, client, you know, however you want to word it. Hey, you do a fucking mean hot shave, too. Dude, it's not bad. I get those things when I come back here from them. The hot shave is no joke. It is, man. It is no joke. I want to throw my razors out and just have you shave whenever I need it. It's It's all about opening those pores, you know? It really is. It really is. Let me tell you. It's called craft for a reason. You're a craftsman. And abs- there is no play on the word. It's the truth. It is. The God's honest truth. I would say it is. So simple, yet so complex. So you're right. Uh, Nixon sounds like a helicopter. He's shaking it all out. Get him, boy. Nah, I will see. Things things we are good. Cut that, dude. You don't need to yeah. fucking show all them. All right. I said if there's something you don't want to talk I, I about. Didn't know, I didn't know. <laughs> well, anyway. So what else? What do, what do we got to fucking say? We got some crazy shit. We got a story. We got to have a story to close this thing out with. There's got to be something nuts that uh that we're omitting. What were you there for? What did you see, Tenberg? What did I see? Yeah. What are we missing here? What, what, I mean, there's been so much, but you know, it's the same. It's the same drill. There's like kind of different, different clientele. You know what I mean? We got, but, we got a mushroom trip somewhere. We got an acid story. What do we got? Which one? The Latrobe uh, driving asking. on Latrobe? Who knows? Oh man. Yeah. All right. So I guess we'll close with this. I was what, like three months sober? Yeah, something like that. Maybe nine. Let's call it nine. I like yeah, we'll that give him a nine. I like that number better. But I was two months off cigarettes. That's what it was. Yes. That and didn't last, though. We'll keep these poor bastards private because I don't know that they have the sense of humor that Ricky has. But <clears throat> two of our good friends, we drove 14 hours to God knows where, Latrobe, Pennsylvania. They brew Rolling Rock beer there. Right. And they had the Rolling Rock Town Fair. Yes. It was a great lineup that year. We figured Stone yeah. Temple Pilots, Deftones, Incubus, why not? We'll go. Live was there. Live, oh, live was there. That was a was disappointment. Bad. I can't believe I actually liked some of their songs after I heard that Listen, shit. Listen, Throwing Copper is a good album. 
right. But the live, live, live is no bueno. Nope. So, get in the car, driving. I drove all 14 hours, I think. Yes, he did. Within the first 45 minutes, I ripped off the highway because you guys were shotgunning beer in the car and trying to hotbox it. It's getting high. What a tough way to try to oh be sober, God, huh? Throw awful. yourself in the lines I then. bought a buy three, get two free Amabro Reds through the two months in the bucket and just started chain smoking the whole ride. And I remember we got to, I think we got to like New Jersey. And I was like, you guys have mushrooms, right? Yes, and I was like, yes. Yeah, I'm like you guys need to eat those. I can't take this drunk shit anymore. <laughs> like, I can't. I can't fucking do it. You guys like, I need amusement. I need a different, <clears throat> different level. So you got to eat those shrooms. You're like, oh, we're saving them for the concert. I'm like, fucking eat them. Come on. You, you wanted them? to eat them though. Yeah, I totally you want. Did. I live in vicarious. I man. know. That's the only thing I miss. Yeah, I'm, me too. I miss mushrooms, dude. I'd take those if I could. If I thought I could safely. Microdose, bro. Nah, it's done. Nah, all right. It's a wrap. I'll keep going. But we get to uh, we get to some crazy ass mall right in the middle of New Jersey. There was like an X-ray facility, a skating rink. I think there was a roller coaster. The Palisades is that what it was called? I, it might have been. I just remember the Wendy's girl on the Wendy's sign had the same red braids, but was black. Yeah, it was very interesting. It was so strange, like like real weird kind of shit. Like who, like what kind of choice is that? Is that even a thing that Wendy's approved? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. That's a logo. It's not like a, I don't know, whatever. But we get to the concert, and we didn't even have a place to stay, right? Nope, no. We were just riding in that, uh, what was it, like an Altima then? Yeah. We were yeah. riding in the Altima. We get out. I get to post all these pictures. There's pictures of all of us. No, no, no. We went to the Waffle House. Remember the Waffle House? Yes. And I had a, a yeah, and I got, at least I was tripping very hard at the moment, and Matthew's like, Let's go to the Waffle House. It's like in the middle of nowhere. And nobody from Marshfield or from Massachusetts or anywhere around here knows what the fuck a Waffle House is. No idea. I just thought it was a funny sign, and it was open it in the middle of the night. It looked real funny at the time. And it was. We went inside. I was wearing a leather cowboy hat. And oh, you- and I was wearing a, t- a T-shirt that said, fuck you, you fucking fuck on it, <laughs> with like those gold like Elvis glasses. Yeah, I, I was probably about all about all about like sixteen years old at the time, right? Yeah, that's pathetic. But yeah, anyway. it was bad. I think you might have hit seventeen at that point. But I think it, so. Maybe it was a uh, it was a trip, and we go inside. You guys are just laughing at truckers and and weird waitresses. No, you got the waffles, and like I had this huge waffle in front of me, and you just had pouring all the syrup, and none <laughs> of it made sense, and just stabbing it with a fork, being like, "What?" Everyone there is like. Hey, you were sober. I don't know. I was just like, I had no idea what was going on. It was like the brightest restaurant I've ever been in my life. I don't the understand how I stayed sober in some of these nights. I no. just don't get it. But we, we showed up at this place. No place to stay after the Waffle House. 14 hours in. And it was like 107 degrees in fucking landlocked middle of nowhere Pennsylvania. Yeah, and I was, we were all kind of done tripping, like the shrooms were wearing off. And I was done, period, because I slept for about two hours in the car at most, and it was just so hot, and the heat just exhausted me. We were totally smoked. And you and I went into the concert. I remember all four of us went, but you and I, after about 10 minutes, were like, dude, let's get out of here. Remember we left? Yeah, we left. Like, it was all that way, and we were like, we're not, and it wasn't yeah, overtired, like, and yeah. it's like beat. It's like, I don't want to be here, and we can't, you can't get back in once you leave. I forgot about that. So we ducked out, and we laid in the car. We couldn't sleep because it was so hot, and we were like, dude, we got to go back in. How the fuck do we get back in? <laughs> <laughs> 
And somebody finally sold that dumbass's tickets for like $15, $20 each that they had extra. And they scanned us back in, let us back in. We had a wild time, man. We got to see SDP before Wyland died. Deftones is like out in the mud, played yeah. seven words like twice. That was back sweet. to back, yeah. back to back. Crazy. It was like the Marshfield Fair, but they had like a concert like with sick bands. That's pretty much what it was like, right? Yeah, no, it was a lot like Levitate, yeah. but with but with rock rock bands. Yeah. And it ended, and I remember I was like, okay, my body's gonna collapse. Tenberg, you drive the first <laughs> the first like four hours. I'll take care of the rest. Dude, you made it. I'm not even bullshitting. What, four minutes before you almost wrapped us around a tree? Oh, yeah. If I don't that. know why anyone thought I should drive anyway. You that's, were, that's just the state we were in, I guess. Exhausted. Kept nodding out Dude, right away. And I just, I was like, get the fuck out of the car. You're going to kill us all. Rolling Rock beers were like 10 cents there. It was like out of control. I keep forgetting you guys were drinking, too. I was just yeah. like, I can't drive. I'm yeah. going to die. I'm going to fall was, asleep. It was, we're happy to, we're lucky to be here. <laughs> we are. No shit. That is for sure. And we made it back to... Connecticut. I was like, get out of the car. I'll drive. We got to Connecticut. We got to a rest stop. And I'm like, fuck it. We're sleeping. We're sleeping in the car. There was no oxygen in the car. No. I think we woke up. I woke up gasping for air. It was like, it was like 95 in a, on wherever, 95. 95 on 95. It yeah. was brutal. I like opened the door and fell out of the car. Like, oh my God. Awful. What happened? Awful. And we just, I, I think we slept for like two or three hours there. I got a, oh, a burst God. of energy. And then it was just like, all right, grab a diet rock star, chug it, and just make it back home. But yeah. it was just like, that was kind of a thing that we do once at least every two weeks. Yeah, I think we I had kids. a bartend that night, maybe. Did you really? No, no, there? no. I think I was too young, but <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's right. You were a kid. I was. I was. Actually, I was like busting tails or something. I must have been a joy that night. Yeah. Yeah. We got some memories, man. We got some times. I don't know. We're lucky to be here. It's actually fun to be here, fun to do a podcast, and we'll uh, we'll hopefully do it again. We'll get some more stories together, dude, and just bring Ricky in so we can have a rebuttal on all the bullshit you just talked. I know we should. I just want to thank Matt for inviting me on this podcast. Come on! Dude. It's really nice of you and your big microphone over here, huh? <laughs> uh? You can't keep it. I'm taking it with me. All right. Everybody, thanks for tuning in, enjoying some me and Berg time, and uh, I'll catch you in a couple weeks. Be good. Thanks again for listening to this episode of Real Tales from the Bar Side. Be sure to tip your bartenders and tip us by subscribing, liking, leaving us a review. That stuff helps like hell, and we really appreciate it. So thank you again. Hope you enjoyed yourself, and we'll catch you next week.